Have you made an honest review? Jump onto fifthwrist.com and read real takes by real owners about their watches. And of course, get involved and write about what's on your wrist. Fifthwrist.com is your independent space to talk watches. Welcome to the Independent Thinking Show for Fifth Wrist Radio. This is a place dedicated to showcasing the great people doing interesting things in the world of horology. My name is Roman and with me is my friend and valiant co-host Adam from Medium Watch. Hey Adam, how you doing? Oh good, how are you? I'm alright, it's the weekend, it's pretty good. Cricket's on the TV, <laughs> not that you guys care. You and your weird <laughs> things, you don't even play the proper sport. So no, it's been good. It's been very good. No, things are returning, you know, things are returning to normal, I think, in the post-Christmas, New Year, post-Hanukkah and Kwanzaa period. So it's all good. How are so you? So how many hours is this cricket match? Or how many uh, days? Yes, good question. I'm, I'm glad we're going into cricket early. I plan to talk about cricket okay. later in the show, but this is good. So cricket, various formats. We won't discuss all of them. You'll be happy to know. This is a five-day game. So this is called ah. Test test cricket so it's five days now it gets even worse than that for people who don't follow so australia's playing south africa which is fine so this is they've had they lost a day and a half due to rain so essentially there's almost no chance of a win so south africa's playing for a draw so they've essentially got a day and a half to play to a draw so it's it's one of those long sports it's even well for us i mean it's a long game but it's it has all the excitement (laughs) that i feel baseball lacks carried over into you know into an antipodean sport it's it's great so yeah no it's weird so what do you eat and drink when you uh, sit through this five day affair well you've got five days you can you essentially have five breakfasts five lunches there's a Ah, so cricket has they build in meal times so you know every few hours they bring for well like they they bring they break for a drinks break which is good. We approve that at Fifth Wrist very much. Then they have lunch. <laughs> then they'll have tea time. This is very British, you know. And then and then oh, they play again. Like, you know, it's it's a civilized sort of sport. It's good. It's good. So cricket. So if I if I look a little bit distracted occasionally, that's just me keeping an eye on the game that's moving slowly towards a draw for the last thirty six hours of play. <laughs> but that's yeah. fine. But oh, I'm glad goodness. we covered cricket early because I was going to sort of weave. Uh, the guests we have have nothing to do with cricket, but I was going to see if they can. We, I can it's not cocaine. No, <laughs> oh, beautifully, beautifully done. Nor even Charlie Dunn from Strictly Vintage Watches are in. So no, beautifully done. Actually, we, now that we've teased their audience, we should actually talk about who I guess. Do you want to do? Do you want to do the honors? Sure. So this is actually a repeat set of guests. We have Solabs with us. We've got Rick and Andrew, and they've come back Woo. and. A lot's happened since we last chatted. We last chatted, I'm feeling like mid-2021. Wow. Yeah, June and, 2021. Yep. Yeah. And since then, I had to go to Chicago, I think in October of 21. And we all three of us met up for a beer outdoors. That's right. At kind of a dive bar in downtown Chicago. And <laughs> they brought a crazy amount of watches. I mean, I always would feel a little bit nervous kind of standing <laughs> in the middle of the street at 11 p.m. and in downtown Chicago, literally on the sidewalk. But, you know, lo and behold, they had a crazy backpack full of both prototypes at the time of the Layer 2, as well as some other interesting, I guess, merchandise, because Andrew has another <laughs> business of, of selling watches and has quite a collection of watches and inventory that he, that he both keeps for himself and sells to others. 
And so uh, we had a fun night and it's been over a year and now the layer two is out. And yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of amazing that there was like maybe yeah. what, 15 months between that night and release. Yeah. And so I'd be curious to talk about like what's happened over the last 15 months and what it takes to go from what was a working prototype. I mean, I literally held this watch in a somewhat similar form to what exists today yeah. to something people are buying that, that it's being delivered. Yeah. And so, so yeah, now it's, it's early 2023 and the watch is out. Yeah. Time flies. <laughs> that, was good. that was a good night. Also, that was a night where I was like, <laughs> I think it's going to be comfortable and you know, comfortable outside. It was freezing cold. And we didn't know if it was, it was, I don't know, Andrew picked some heavy metal band bar place. Right and uh, it was yeah. fun, that was a fun time. But yeah, lots <laughs> happened since then. Yeah, lots happened since then. So I think at that point in time, the prototypes that we had shown you had showcased a slightly different concept in using hmm. day and date mechanism. That was, you know, we had been working with our manufacturer to perfect the gradient progression, you know? So mm -hmm. for those who have seen the layer two, you know, one of the features on it is repurposing the day and date feature so that really it's more of an aesthetic, you know, charm where as the month goes by, you get a slightly different look, peek through the dial with the day and date through gradient printings across those. And at that point in time though, we had a different concept, which was essentially the completing of a circle every seven days. And that would happen four times throughout the month. And, you know, we got those prototypes, we liked them, but they weren't as precise as what we, what we mm -hmm. ideally wanted. You know, we went back to our manufacturer and said, you know, we're close, we're right there. And, and politely <laughs> said, I think we need to turn down this up. We said, no, 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 please, please. no, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And, and with the same breath, he also said, you know, we feel very comfortable with the gradient. And I said, the gradient was what we originally wanted to do from the start. And you had said that was a problem, but now hmm. circle is the problem. So we moved away from the circle. I think, you know, some people may have seen, we had a few prototypes maybe posted of that over the last year, but ultimately moved forward with the gradient discs and they're, they're stellar. I think the, the original vision of what we, the layer two is what has come true, which is pretty exciting and good things take time, man. The prototype, <laughs> a second round of prototypes and then moving in production is, is and essentially time, a year, time, which is was, depressing, was our, but true. I want to say our third prototype because, yeah, because originally the case was different. Yeah, right. um, it was yeah. more like the layer one case and uh, which is actually what I'm wearing today. This is a prototype right. of the original <laughs> layer two, which has <laughs> like the layer one case, which you guys are wearing. But so that was our third prototype at that time. And just with the world, the way it is now, <laughs> there you go. It's, it's taking longer <laughs> oh, wow. to get pro new prototypes done. You know, if you want to change one little thing, it's like <laughs> three months just to change one little thing. And so, yeah. And even yeah. production time is like six oh months, my goodness. two months. Three. And so, so a lot of that added to that timeline. And of course, right. when you have two guys that are, you know, working on, working on a watch, we both have different opinions. <laughs> he, he designs, you know, designs it. I pick at it, <laughs> say this, this, and this, and then we have to meet somewhere in the middle. Right. So we have that aspect to it as well. That does take some time. And <laughs> luckily it doesn't take a lot of time because we work well together, but, but it is part of that process. Yeah. 
it is crazy what the time the time span does to things too because you know i think i want to say we had so andrew had launched you know the fortitude and that had come out with some you know beautiful beautiful colorways and things that were a little bit out of the norm you know had the mint color and it was a few months later that then rolex put out some very punchy dials (laughs) And, and you know we were like we had already started the process for the layer two and like, you know, some pretty robust colorways and like, son of a bitch, you know, the, the, why is all of a sudden the postmodernism, you know, eighties, like revitalization of colors and people wanting something a little bit more exciting on the wrist, all of a sudden is becoming mainstream. And like, we're going to need another year to get this thing <laughs> where it needs to be so we oh can get it, get it onto people's wrists. And you know, that's just another just, just, you know, reality of the process of doing these things. You really do have to be, it's not just about being, being ahead of the curve and, and being thinking with what it is that you want to create and, you know, hoping that also people are interested in it and want to do it. But then when all of a sudden things do become mainstream and then you put your stuff out, you're like, this was not influenced by any of the stuff that was out there. It was just circumstances of the reality of how long it takes in the manufacturing and prototyping process to get something to market, I think most consumers probably have no idea the time span. All part of the fun, I suppose. So we didn't do our drink check, by the way. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So I, it's always a good sign when the guests <laughs> adhere to the structure of the show closer than the host. It's very nice. I feel like I'm at home. You know, that's very good. Well done. Well, good. <laughs> Props to you. Yeah. What do you got? What do you got, Rick? I have got. I have got smoke wag bottled in bond. So I had found this. If you guys haven't had the green labeled bottled in bond smoke wagon, fantastic bourbon. Okay, uh, that's what substance that is. Okay. Oh yeah, delicious. They're out of Nevada, but I'm pretty sure they actually distill it out of HBC and in. But anyways, it's labeled as such and. But I'm also three margaritas deep because I was at a house party across the street with some neighbors. So we're fully lubricated for the evening. Ready to roll. Uh, And just for our listeners, what's on the wrist? Give us the full description. I have got the Layer 2.1 Obsidian Frost prototype on my wrist. Fantastic. I'm actually drinking Delirium. It's one of my favorite favorite beers out of Belgium. But I I like to drink it in a fancy glass. Just to let it breathe, you know? And, and then like I said earlier, I'm wearing the, I think this is the second prototype of the original layer two, but it's, you know, got a, oh yeah, different. This is the same case as uh, different design fact. as what you guys are wearing. And yeah, and the hands are actually I think those plastic, are plastic discs, so discs kind of that too, same right? concept. Yeah. But this has the circles with the dial cut out. It doesn't have applied indices, so that's another change that, you know, we made in the process. Roman. Well, I've got, it's really interesting because now we're talking to you guys, we, we're going to have like the, the evolutions of the Solabs catalog. So the watch I've got is like the pre-layer oh, yeah, one yeah. agency, one of 400 things that kind of started oh, it deal. all. Yeah. That's it. So, so we've got that. And then we've got a layer one. Now we've got a prototype for a layer two yeah. and now a layer two, which is really <laughs> is cool. So cool. There's like this little evolution of the thing. And one of the stuff Love I wanted that. to talk to you guys about was actually that transitioning from like, you know, two guys who put out a watch to now two guys who yeah. have a back catalog and kind of that now have to think about 
you know, design language for a family of watches and how you carry it forward. So this is really good. So yeah. It bodes really well. So I've got this nice. agency pre-thing. And for our listeners, if you haven't heard the June 2021 episode, go listen to it because I think Rick or Andrew, actually both of you, I think, talk about kind of how this watch came along and actually kick-started this whole Solabs layer layers process. So go listen to the back catalog as well. Drinks-wise, I've got a gin and tonic, which I usually have, <laughs> but I have it in a, not a fancy mug, but a large-sized nice. mug. I'm working through a, <laughs> a TNT nice. in the mug. <laughs> That's me. Beautiful. All right, Adam, Good over deal. to you. Sure. So I've got my my Abalone Steel Layer 1, which is miraculously now sold out. Congratulations yeah. on selling 500 of these. That, yeah. It's a lot of watches. <laughs> and to to go with it, I've got an American Midwestern beverage. <laughs> classic of his Bud Light. The urine sample of the masses. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's funny because like, I remember going to China once at some bar. They're like, do you want to have an American drink? There's an extra premium for it. Here's some Bud Light. We're going to charge you like triple. I'm thinking seriously. Oh, I don't miss it that much. See, so for, for, for Australians, so I'm in Melbourne. We didn't do a location check. But so for us, so so for for all Australians, whenever we travel out, you know, the treat yeah. is everyone tries to give us Foster's beer. Like, do you guys have Foster's? Like those giant blue cans, which which no one drinks at right, home, but right. it's a kind of the thing that's the generic Australian beer. And I feel Bud Light is that for Americans because wherever I'm at, Anyway, yeah. they're like American beer. It's always a Bud Light. It's always disappointing, but it's always a Bud Light. <laughs> so I think we already started going through this together, but how exactly does the layer two differ from the layer one? Just so people have a clear, because there are a number of minute differences and it's been a really thoughtful process. I mean, clearly there's multiple iterations of design. There's quality control questions. So how do they differ? Yeah. I think it's kind of interesting because as we, as you know, I started the design process on the layer two, it, it was a big, a big starting point was Andrew going, well, the hands got to be brass. Like we, we can't do plastic. And I just came, well, what, what about Sapphire? You know, what if we did printed Sapphire? What if we, and then sure enough, a few months later, Ming came out with that piece that had a lot of issues with, you know, action and expansion and shipping and people being you know, complaining about misalignments because of the nature of Sapphire. But nonetheless, Andrew was like, we, we need to move. It, I won't lie. It was a challenge in the beginning of saying, you know, how do we keep still the similar aesthetic of what, you know, was put forth in the layer one with the shape of the die cut and the, with the hands, you know, had been built out and, shape, you know, still, still do what we wanted to. But the, the discs, you know, the day and date function, that was originally a desire of what we wanted, but the tolerance was so tight that it just couldn't be done. And that's why in all the layer ones, you know, you just have the the, the pure transparency to the, the quartz movement and no day-date discs in those pieces. So it was honestly like really exciting to be moving on to, you know, a Salita where we've got a reliable movement. It was it was absolutely a challenge of getting those discs, you know, printed in this satisfying way that was reflecting the original vision of what we wanted. But you know, redesigning the hands, I, I think, getting like, all right, why don't we get this like outlined forms well, layering them so that the alignment of the hour hand fits perfectly within the minute hand when we're hit when we're striking the hour, and still getting that that look of you know the completing the circle at midnight and six. 
and getting that look within the you know the watch. I think it was a natural progression, at least from the dial and the actual like you know hands and the markers and evolving, like Andrew said, the markers to raised indices and, and going that route. We tried something that had similar opportunities with Loom. And I think just based on this first batch, nothing was, we had done prototypes with Loom and everything was like, this looks sloppy. This is missing the, the, the clean minimalist feel that we want from this watch. And it's a nice, a nice, you know, gimmick, call it if you want, but ultimately the, the prototypes were muddying the colors in the way that we wanted them to show up. So they don't, these, these don't have loom, but I don't think takes away from any of the impact from the dial itself. And when it comes to the case, that was truly just like, I want to do something that isn't really looking like what most of the pieces are that are resting on people. We, we went this route of almost this, like, you know, call it like UFO spherical landing. I think when we did the first tur the, the first prototype, Andrew's like, we, we actually 3D printed the whole piece in brass. And it's, it's like, tortoise. It looks like yeah, a turtle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> like, it really looks like a turtle. Yeah, it looks like a turtle, like landed on our wrist, you know, like a space turtle, you know, like landed on our wrist. And that was kind of exciting too, that like, again, moving, I think, away from plastics into now metal allowed us to have a little bit more opportunity to have something traditional, but also deviate from that. And, uh, you know, be also very intentional too with the uh, lug to lug distance, because like, if you look at the original layer one to the layer two evolution, we went bigger on the case size, but we didn't actually go, we actually went down a tiny bit on the lug to lug really oh, yeah. to make sure that it was a, a watch that could be worn by anybody. You know, you, you've got women with smaller wrists, men with smaller wrists, wrists where you don't want to be overlapping on the the, the mm. distance of your wrist. Mm. But in terms of width, lots of people are comfortable with large, you know, case sizes. And not what the, are the dimensions? Yeah, it's 40, it's 40 by 42. So 40, okay. 40 case, 42 lug to lug. And I want to say it's around roughly like 11 on depth. Yes. A little bit taller only because we, we wanted to do a domed crystal on the piece. But when you wear it on your wrist, it's it's not like it's a piece, you know, it does still have the slimness to it, but the proportions feel appropriate to, you know, the, the overall aesthetic. It's, it's interesting. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, it's interesting. I haven't seen the, the layer two <laughs> in, in the metal, well, literally in the metal. I've seen, and I have the layer one in the plastic, yeah. as it were. And I remember last time we met, you know, in the podcast, we talked a lot about, you know, working materials in the reason you went with plastic for the first right. one and you know transparency was a feature that you really played up to you know that totally it allowed you to sort of adds this dimensionality to it so it would be really interesting to sort of see this layer two having a different shape but not having the transparency that the plastic provided but still totally. having something interesting and unique it was a really interesting sort of juxtaposition for me seeing particularly seeing yeah. it on your wrist now because you've got the obsidian frost piece which is the piece right. that i really like piece I've <laughs> yeah. added to my card about six times in the last week like, mm, all right all right i'll talk to the guys first and i'll, go, no, I'll put it back in uh, uh. So, so but that's the one i'm looking at because it seems yeah. to me both similar there's certainly design cues that are very similar it's unmistakably a soul labs and we'll talk about kind of what that means in a sec 
but also different because particularly the obsidian really looks yeah. different to the yeah total opposite right you know layer one dlt right. <laughs> black and you know to go with the transparency too it's one of the things that we wanted to do not not only for fun too but also to how transparent can we make it when you're working with steel right so having an open case back is part of that you know it's the crystals <laughs> the, the crystal on the on the dial side you know it's it's a big opening so you have a lot of crystal there and then you have the open case back so you can see the movement working not just from the top with the with the wheels but you can also see it from the back and with the custom rotor with the you know fun color kind of adds to the charm but you know going back with rick and with the layer one to the layer two the dial is the same the cutout is the same the hands if i cut out the plastic hands and cut out the color it's the same shape as the layer one but now it's basically just skeletonized and so right. you have that kind of still see-through from the hands as well so as much as we can make it transparency and all that that's where all that played into that mm. And in doing all this, the watch is a bit more expensive than the last one. What was the thought process that led to move to a slightly different market segment? Yeah, I think it was, it stems back to the goal from the beginning. You know, I think when we had, you know, when I had first worked with Andrew on the EA Astro and Banks collaboration piece we did for my company, you know, through the process, it was like, let's do, let's do this. Let's turn this into something. And from the start. Andrew was like, and from there, we got to, we got to definitely do an automatic thing to do. And I think the reality is the investment in putting forth an automatic piece is significantly different, significantly different. So I think, you know, it was, all right, let's, let's put out a, a quartz piece that gets the attention of people who are watch enthusiasts like us, you know, who also understand like us. A quartz piece isn't the first thing that we're looking to buy. And, you know, I'm not. I, I have a number of swatches and a few. I have a, a Rue, I think it's called, piece. You know, I have some quartz pieces that I find fun, you know, that are, are, are pieces that I like to have. So let's go at that market who maybe is also interested in buying a piece for their son, daughter, niece, nephew, somebody who is kind of in the up and coming like, hey, you know what? I don't want to just buy you a cheap commercial piece. I mm. want to get you something from other guys who are in the watch, you know, realm mm. are interested in, and, and pay attention to the differences and all the, the things that come from higher end watches and, and create something along those lines so that then we can build a little bit of brand equity over the last two years, have enough of a following and interest after going to a number of worn and wound wind up shows and, and do that. And now be able to actually explore what we always wanted to do, which was put out a piece that we're proud to wear every day as an automatic watch, you know, falls in line. The aesthetic and the desires that we get from a, a, a typical timepiece that we would wear day to day and actually put that out. And now we're we're here, you know, and it's taken three years, <laughs> but I think it's it's definitely been worth it, I think, to like be able to finally get to this place where now, okay. We, we got attention from some of the folks who maybe did or didn't buy a layer one and a quartz piece. And from the start, we're always like, hey, you guys need to do something automatic. Yeah. Like we had so yeah. many people, I think in that first windup show, I'll buy and be like, yo, so you guys gonna do something automatic too? Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, stay tuned, like follow us, like support us because yeah. we're not 
taken out any funds from this, we're rolling yeah, it back. And like wanting and with to the Salida too, you and, know, going from a Miota Quartz movement to a Salida movement versus like a Miota movement, which I use. We wanted to, the, the one thing with Miota movements, they're not the most attractive if you have an open case back. So with, with Salida, not only is it easy to service uh, and all that other stuff that we've got to think about for the future, but it is a little bit nicer to look at. And in this case, because we had to do a custom rotor, we wanted to do a custom rotor, you know, that covers half the movement. It, it works just fine. And when you think about the watch, you know, it is automatic. Of course, a lot of the cost is in the movement, in the custom rotor. We also have to do custom hands that are not general, like basic, you know, I'll say hands, everything is custom, you know, <laughs> sure, in this yeah. watch and yeah, yeah. the day and the date wheels. I mean, there's a lot of throwaway date discs that you, because they just, the tolerances aren't there. So you got to toss out a lot of them because they're just not, you know, the quality's not there. So there's a lot of that, that went into it. And, you know, for a watch, I think for a watch that has this much into it and, you know, even the packaging is fantastic and all this other stuff, but for a retail price of twelve ninety five, a five year warranty, and all that good stuff, it's it's a it's a lot that you get for it, and and not even I'm just talking about that. Then it's you look at the design; it's yeah. like nothing else you'll see. And I'm saying that as an owner of Solas, but also at Windup, the one thing I heard back in October was this is the standout of the show for me. Not, I've seen nothing like this. I mean, and, you know, we had people from Gear Patrol it's say that. Exact, and truly. The Warren and Wong guys. And at another show, it was the Houdinki guys saying this. So it was really cool to hear all this because after three years or two years, however long it took us to get this, it was really rewarding to be able to hear that feedback in person. And that's why it's really exciting for, for us. Or sorry, for me, I can't speak for <laughs> I, I try to. That's why it's really exciting <laughs> you know, for me to kind of talk to you guys now because it's really interesting to see how you've progressed, but also you kind of you've delivered on the stuff you talked about in the last episode when we talked about in June 2021. That time you were sort of going, yeah, we've got layer, we've launched layer layer one. You know, take us this long, it's really going. We're in the prototyping of layer two. We hope it's going to come. Right. But it's all, those sort of things you kind of go, that's very nice. And there's lots of there's lots of micro brands yeah. that do what series one and they never really get the yeah. oomph to actually do series yeah. two. Like it's the difficult second right. album, right? So it's actually right. really awesome <laughs> to see you guys deliver, but also kind of stay true to kind of what you told us last time about it's gonna be this, it's gonna be an automatic, we're still gonna keep the the some of the design cues, you know. We talked about the, the branding it's not going to be on the dial it's going to be on the rotor all of these kind of things yep. it's really interesting to see come to fruition even through the multiple prototyping so it is really cool yeah and for me <laughs> you know somebody who's interested in indies and also micro bands and kind of the that whole independent scene what i find tends to work is you need a strong idea behind yep. most independent brands right whether it's yeah k-shaped design it has to be something special because if you're just doing another diver at 700 dollars with a nh35 uh, yeah. movement you're like yeah that's nice yeah. it's not really going to hold anyone's attention right. whereas you guys actually seem to have this really strong design vision and execution and commitment to get it done 
which is really helpful. So I'm glad totally. you're kind of, yeah, I'm not surprised people were really responding positively as you showed it. With, with Ming, we've seen execution of a design language at different price points. Um, and mm. where he's come out with extraordinarily expensive watches, moderately expensive ones, and everywhere in between. And now you've kind of gone to two different levels. If you had, let's say, a five or $10,000 price point for the product, mm-hmm. what would you have done differently? Or what would you have tossed in? Dude, sapphire case sapphire. all the way. The all sapphire the way. case, the micro rotor <laughs> uh, movement. It, I, I mean, oh, so so much more yeah. that we could, you know, we would love to do. But sure. yeah, it's not it's not cheap. Even just to do something as with a basic Salida SW two twenty. No, you know, other than dress up the rotor and the and the day and the date wheels. But yeah, I think sapphire case, like Rick said, you know, sapphire hands and and a micro rotor would be just. You know, just picture picture the colorful rotors we have now, but in a micro so version cool. of it would just be awesome. <laughs> that would be so. Out of curiosity, what price point roughly does a sapphire no. case require? Is this uh, Richard Mill yeah. territory? It would or... be in that five. No, I think it's just something I think more modest. In that five to ten, if you really want to keep making watches, I think if you're in that five, you're barely making some money there but not enough to really sustain, to keep doing quite a bit. <laughs> South of Richard Meal. I can, okay. I can feel, I can feel the mental health of listeners yeah. with like Hublot, you know, Sapphire case and Richard Mill cases, yeah. just like looking at their wrist and crying, just going, I paid, <laughs> I paid whatever the thing was, you know, 50 grand for a Hublot, 30 oh, grand yeah. for Hublot. So, you know, not, not all Sapphire, your Sapphire case, whoever's <laughs> listening is much better. You know, we're talking about generic. Yours is special. That's right. That's right. Hand rubbed by virgins on the Isle of Crete. It's the same material they use on the lunar module. Yeah. You know, just, it's not, not just any. <laughs> So, so, I'm, so I'm actually interested. Did you guys go with kind of this is the ideal, or it's going to cost thirty grand and go down, or do you build up to what, like, like the chicken or the egg? Do you start with what we want that's too expensive and we spec down, or do you go no, we're going to build to a budget comes first and then we build to it? Maybe that's I think just honestly for mm-hmm. this the the design did come first and right. we had a rough idea of like, I mean, Andrew's been in this game long enough through Astro and Banks to know, of you know, what, <laughs> what's real. And we had, we had joked about Sapphire and he's like, that's eh, going to be four to five grand at minimum to do that. Right. right. If we, you know, and it's like, all right, we're not going to jump, jump that far. Yeah. I think yeah, if we yeah. were, if we were able to do that, maybe we were, you know, we did like five, a limited edition of yeah, five yeah, yeah. Gotcha. In Sapphire gotcha. if we had the money to do it. But Ultimately, I think it was, you know, okay, we know what it's going to cost to produce a watt. We know what Salita movements are going to cost. We know how much time it's going to take us. And we know where we want to price it. And the truth was, we were never going to break, you know, the threshold. I think we're we're at $12.95 retail. And right now we're at $9.65 on the pre-orders, which, you know, keeping it under a grand on a pre-order for Salita that's fully ground up with custom packaging and all the stuff that we've got with it and and the straps from Voblenis that we have it's a very like <laughs> this is not a, a margin heavy yeah. piece yeah, there's not a lot of fat on that yeah yeah sure no there's a lot i mean like in, in terms of cuz ultimately for us too it's thinking like what would i jump on as a consumer and that's what you know you strive to design it's not just I think that's the big difference that we also strive for with Solabs too, is like, 
there are so many brands who are designing for what sells fast and what you know people want another one of and like you even mentioned roman it's another diver right i know i'm comfortable i know people are comfortable with this look let me just pump out my version of it put yeah. my name on it make a few little tweaks and now yeah. don't worry it's going to sell my margin's going to be great for us it was more like i i want to create we want to create something that is really different something that when you receive it and you see the package of all the things you're getting you feel like you're getting a deal I think that's like the thrill of watches, I, I, at yeah. least for collectors who are buying things outside of going to an AD. I want to feel like I'm getting a deal. I want to feel like I'm getting value for what I'm picking up, both from like a rarity standpoint, a differential standpoint, and then a price point. And that is what we tried to deliver in the whole piece. So I think from the beginning of like building out the price point, building the design, we kind of knew where we thought it would land and man, I won't lie. It was a little bit more expensive than, than, we, than we had originally thought it would be and hoped it would be, but it still worked out within the price point that we, that we ultimately had offered it for. And, and, you know, I think that in itself is, you know, an exciting thing and, and something that makes us feel good too, when being able to put them on, you know, because <laughs> they're high inflation these last two years too. So it's exactly. not just... You know what you're doing it's also the whole external situation where parts Ship. probably cost more labor oh, yeah. costs more oh yeah and shipping in not every country more. has been equally I mean, affected ship, but in the shipping US, costs been, a lot more right? and so shipping you know um, that that part is yeah. always a little mm -hmm. unpredictable which kind of kind of stinks but yeah shipping is expensive so you gotta <laughs> come up with creative ways to to get in that price point i think originally when we had talked about this i was like this can't be more than fifteen hundred dollars like it has to be between a thousand and fifteen, and and we kind of ended uh -huh. up in that thirteen hundred dollar range. And uh, but like Rick said, I think with everything that you're getting, I, I, it's a little bit because we're the owner, so we have we were saying this, but take with a grain of salt. But I, yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's fine. Don't, we'll cut um, all this out. Don't you know, worry. I think you're getting a lot for this price point. And <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. And, I'm kidding. And we heard it from you know people at these shows too, which is totally. uh, always nice to. Hear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the, I mean, even down to stripping down to like the basic little add on things that you would consider is like Vablenis straps alone. If you go to buy one, it's going to be 80 to 100 bucks just for the mm -hmm. strap. And ours comes with a strap and a bracelet. And then on top of that, even the membrane cases going back to shipping and whatnot, <laughs> it's like if you wanted to just buy that membrane case, you're going to spend like 40 bucks on the size of what you're getting for the case alone, for the packaging alone. Excuse me. So it's like, all right, but this is the look and the whole. This is the vision of what we wanted. Again, going to even the layering and the transparency, it was like, what's our next evolution from our Petri dish to now the layer two and what we want to put out from a packaging. And it's something that is not throwaway. It's something you're going to end up repurposing, whether it's for your layer two or any other watch that you want to travel with you and, you know, be able to, to store safely and bring along, you know? So I think, Again, going back to the goal of what we would want as a consumer of watch culture, like this is. It's very so cool. So I actually just got some Veblenist straps oh, nice. in the mail yesterday. This is for my Oxen Junior. It's a 22 millimeter tapering strap. Nice. What's awesome about Veblenist is that I'll make anything. Oh, yeah. You, know, you can just name something. I even 
asked, can you make something for a paddock fully golden ellipse with some weird little chunk taken out of it? Uh-huh. And the answer was add a little extra money, but yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so working with Veblenist, what did that enable you to do? Because really, it's yeah, so it's really in many I, ways I worked uh, with uh, so Howard is his name, yeah. and I've been I've known Howard for yep. four years, maybe maybe a little Chicago guy. So that's another connection here. He's of a course. Chicago guy, but um, yeah, we just kind of hit it off when I first met with him. I had talked to him about maybe doing some stuff for you know Astro and Bank, but I buy a lot of straps from him, and I recommend a lot of people to him, and he's always been very <laughs> flexible, and you know. The fact that you can pick, hey, I want a curved end or a straight end, and I want speed pins or a regular pin. I want this length, you know, or you know, everything on his side is 16 millimeter taper, but I've asked for something different, and he's always done it for me. So, yeah, there you go, exactly. Okay, so this is 14 millimeter. The fact that he's willing to do it, and he's, I think for what he's offering is very fair price, especially compared to some other strap makers out there. And uh, so that that was why we wanted to work with Howard, not only because he was in Chicago, so it's easier to communicate and all this other stuff, but also because I knew about his flexibility, you know, and, and with these watches in particular, we needed a curve <laughs> end and, you know, which is not like a huge thing, but it is extra work right. and extra money uh-huh. to do that. And so, so that's why we just, you know, we right. wanted mm-hmm. to work with him. Not only did we know the quality, but we knew that he would just make what we want. Any other interesting uh, details about them? No, just, that were <laughs> just custom? Uh, yeah, just the curve and you know the colors just that the we curve. wanted to do, or an extra. We tried to pick mostly to keep costs down. Try to keep mostly of what he had in inventory, and then work from there and say like I want this right. stitching i want even to the stitching for instance you mm-hmm. know vintage stitch or you want a you know full border stitch and yeah. i'm a fan of full border rick likes vintage look at i want i won that i won that argument yep. uh, and uh, yeah you won uh, and then but, when i saw know, him in those, person I'm like you're things. right you're right <laughs> <laughs> how much did it hurt uh, you to say that all those things play Damn into right. you know having a partner like like howard that you know open to doing extra or changing things and not just Saying no, we can't do it. This is what we. This is off the shelf. Here you go. So it's been. It was great to work. Yeah. The the really interesting. Or thing even I like found... Howard, we don't need your buckles. We've got custom <laughs> buckles that we're using for these. No, you know, mm-hmm. and being able to make sure they're they're feeling like you're still getting a Solabs piece, even though you're you know getting a higher end then strap that's partnering with another Chicago and that, that's really cool. So he's my go-to source for any sort of unusual yeah. watch strap for a watch that's irregular. <laughs> the, the really interesting thing I find about that is, you know, as a collector, I, I full transparency, yeah. I don't really care about straps. Like I don't change my straps that often and all of that business. But what I find mm-hmm. really commendable is when a watch company actually reveals who their strap source is so that for collector yeah. strikes, they go, you know what? I want to buy more straps. I can just go directly to that person, to that maker and say, can you make exactly. me the, you know, the Solab strap just in a different color without having to measure right. things and kind of, you know, send all the specs and try to worry about getting the curve wrong and all that. So I think that's a really totally. cool, like I can't commend you enough on that because I know for me, I don't know the strap makers that well because I don't fiddle with straps that often but if i wanted to make a new strap for it it's like one less headache i need to have i can just i know exactly exactly who to ask so that's really awesome and we at fifth wrist you know we recently did a watch with oxen junior and we know who the strap Mm -hmm. maker is 
for that watch as well. Totally. So it's a similar kind of thing. You kind of go, all right, whoever wanted right. another strap, if you like the look and the strap, you can just go directly to that maker. So it kind of supports exactly. that. So what you guys are doing supports this, you know, adjacent tier of suppliers yeah, and definitely. makers. Yep. artisans in a way so that's really that's awesome I highly commend it definitely so what can you do with metal that you can't do with plastic <laughs> in give some heft to it i'll give you that you know that's like the first <laughs> comment we get whenever somebody will pick up a layer two they're like oh you know that's like the it's a like the watch. common yeah. and not like oh this this feels good this you know whereas like typically people pick up a layer one and go the opposite like wow this is lighter than i be and you know <laughs> i think the truth is as much as people like light watches in theory they like the idea of feeling like there's something there like if i want to wear a watch i want to know it's there and i don't want to feel like there's absolutely nothing so i feel like metal does it definitely does provide you that you know, feeling of like, there's something substantial on my wrist. I think beyond that is durability too. You know, I think we've, we felt that like with the, with the layer one, you and with plastic in general, you know, it's, it's, it's versatile in what you can design. It's maybe not as durable as what you would get out of metal. Yes. You're going to get dings and, you know, like any other watch you would wear, but I do think that it does provide you that extra yeah uh, i mean i think durability it wasn't like oh we can't do this with plastic because you can mold plastic into anything right almost any shape or form so it it wasn't about that it was more just like do i want a mechanical movement in a plastic case probably not and you know just to go with we wanted a bracelet right you get a plastic case with a bracelet we don't want to make a plastic bracelet so you know so it, it was just kind of all that. Yes, but, yes. Uh, it wasn't really much of a thought of like hey we're going to make this plastic automatic watch right it was more just like it was going to be steel right off the bat right yeah. <laughs> right yeah try, so try to get that through yeah you know? <laughs> exactly so. <laughs> and why not or why steel and why not like titanium or aluminum Ooh, or tantalum or cool. gold or any of the uh, other but elements. a lot of that oh, would be so. titanium personally <laughs> yeah. see limited editions of five brewing yeah right yeah tantalum metals would be very expensive although i'd love to that have would... a rose gold version of the layer two it'd be really expensive right especially to do like a couple pieces and me personally we didn't we didn't even get into this conversation rick and i it was just going to be steel but i actually don't really like titanium watch myself i think they scratch too easily and you know, I don't really care about the lightness of it, you know, the weight. I like to feel weight on a watch, but, and they just like, if they scratch, I get really, really upset. So, I mean, I have, I have a, like two Pelagos, you know, two <laughs> Pelagos, that are, but, you know, not to say that we won't do it in the future, just it wasn't a thought for this. You know, with the, with the bead blasted stainless steel, you get the same look, but, you know, yeah. Mm. That was mm. it too. It was like, we can accomplish all the different styles and looks that we want with steel, you know? And I think from the start, when we first did the prototypes, it's like, let's get one, let's get it in brushed. Let's get it in blasted. Let's get it in DLC. Let's get it in polished. And when we got all of them, we, we had a really hard time being like, all right, should we do them all in, in blasted? Nah, (laughs) I think blasted works well with some combinations, but not other ones. 
What about brushed? Well, brushed actually is maybe the most mainstream comfort level for people. We definitely should do that. So where we ended up was let's actually take brushed, which is the mo most, you know, mainstream finish, call it, and pair that with the most, I don't know, robust color combinations that we have, which ended up mm -hmm. being the plum punch and the iced oatmeal. So those two got the brushed case cases. Then it was like, all right, this polished is incredible, but it's also real blingy when you come with the bracelet, you know? Yeah. So why don't we pair that with the one that's a little bit more of a subdued dial, but has a lot of punch with the, with the pinks, you know, and something that maybe women would wear, but also a man could wear with a suit and, you know, dress it up with a nice, like with a leather strap and a new buck strap. And that's going to look really sharp. Great okay, we definitely need to go a DLC version. And why don't we make sure that the DLC version is not like any of the other militant style watches you typically get from DLC. Let's <laughs> pair it with pinks and blues and a, 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 a dual colored indice, yeah. you know, pattern, which drove our, sorry, manufacturer crazy. So we've got a couple <laughs> dials that have multiple indice colors He's like, please don't do that to me ever again, because <laughs> it's a huge pain in the ass. But the, but the effect is so much more fun. So I think like having all those and then finally the blasted on the charcoal fog was like, this is the like stealthier, most monotone version. It just makes sense to go with that. I love the beat blasted, you know, finish. And that one, I think, again, finally marries so well with that aesthetic of that dial that it was like. This is also a fun thing to do, which is like, give people that feeling too of like, I know I don't want, hopefully other people maybe want to have more than one of these watches in their library of or catalog of watches that they wear, because the different finishings really are just as, as exciting of a difference as what you get from the dial and hand combinations and the disc combinations that like, it just went natural with the whole desire of what yeah. we wanted to get out of the watch. I think that that also, when it comes to steel, you know, <laughs> with plastics, you could change the color, but that's about it. Mm. You're not really mm. going to change finish. You're going to, you're, you're going to get that out of metal, which that DLC you know, one too, again, just has a, such, so much evolution. contrast. And uh, it definitely was, is one of the more, more popular yeah. ones. <laughs> the number one comment that we got from and when people see it in person is that it's miami vice and that's why they like but yeah it's definitely got the most <laughs> the most contrast uh, just because the dlc and the dlc you know it's not polished it's speed blasted totally. and then it's black dl it's got a, a really cool map that's crazy so why do most brands not do this? I, I can't really recall another watch that's available well, in four different yeah I'll, I'll say i think yeah. from a one is so, like yeah. how much do you want to stock right manufacturers also have like moqs right. <laughs> they might not want to do just 10 in black you know they want 50 or whatever it is so and i think that people other brands maybe just want to keep it a little bit more simple as far as to what they're what they're carrying you know for for me on the <laughs> other side with the fortitude i had a six or seven different dial colors and it's because i couldn't make up my mind because I thought they all looked great. <laughs> I thought they all looked great. And luckily the finish on the case was the same, but with so many different dial colors, I was like, I'm only going to do three. Let me see which ones I'm going to do. But I couldn't do it. So I just said, fuck it. I'm going to do all, all of them. 
And the, the same thing happened with, you know, here. It's like, man, it's like I, I love the polish. Same thing. Um, and it is, yeah. you know, some people don't like polish and that's fine, but yeah. it looks really good. And I think that having each watch be that different, because if, if it was all the same finish, right, but except for the DLC, but if all the other ones were just brushed with different dial colors, I don't know if you'd want to maybe get a different color one, but with a different finish, and it makes all of them that much more. Mm. Yeah. And also, like, why did you end up doing? I think it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna vary the watch and the style, like, go for it. I think that's really what's been our motto. Like, a lot of brands, again, it's about like exploring and and trying to actually do something different, which most, at least, and again, it's and some people too. It's like for us, this is this is a a, a project and an exploration of like how do we create something that we find interesting that I want to wear all five of the variants over the course of the month. And that's something that I would want to share, you know, just from like a, a from a design level is if you're mm-hmm. going to create something, if I had the same case on all of them, that actually takes away the fun for me. You know, it's selfish. A lot of the design <laughs> is selfish and you hope that other people find interest and like, you know, the similar desire in the, in, you know, acquiring and owning those things, seeing what you did and created and appreciating that. And I think that's, that's also been a big part of, from the start of, of, you know, it's very personal. Like the brand is very, very personal, I think to both of us. And, and I think that's part of why we ended up going this. And how did you decide to go to fixed models and not mix and match? Because like it'd be fun, for instance, to swap cases. Oh, it'd be real fun. I mean, like the 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 ultimate desire. We talked about this. God, when we first started, it was like, man, wouldn't it be cool if you? And it was. Look, I love Oxen Junior too. Like I know you do as well. You know, Adam. And it's like, yeah. God, how badass would it be to be able to get to the point right where we're actually, you know, able to fully customize based on a series of like, you know, you enter this realm of color palette so we still have some level of control right but then within that color palette you're able to really create whatever you want and mix and match and do that change your case style we would i would love to get to that point because i do think out of every fan you have of the brand that means you have some level of designer spirit right if somebody's (laughs) interested in what you're doing it means they equally have some, whether they're a designer or just an appreciator of artistic form and things, they have the spirit of, of like create as well. I would love to get to that place. The reality is right now, it's like, we're just two dudes funding this thing and it's expensive as hell to do something like that. Of course. You know, and even Rexham Jr. now has standardized watches as well. So I know, they moved, they've they've know. moved in this direction. I know, that makes me sad. I know, that makes me sad. I'm glad. I still have custom, but anyway. They, they still have it. But. I was actually going to be the, the devil's advocate on that. Actually, I actually really like what you guys have done in actually limiting the choices because in some ways, uh-huh. particularly now as we're talking about it and you guys had this clear idea of, well, this particular com- color combination works best with this dial case right. finish, and we're going to lock that down because we think that looks best. I love Oxen Junior to bits. Adam does as well. I think offering customers an almost an endless choice of 
an endless number of choices actually in some ways paralyzes the decision-making process. I know it certainly does yeah. for me. Yeah. You know, you just yeah. go because it's very hard to know when you're done. Just like you guys were like, well, there's endless colors you can prototype forever. At some point you have to say, right. no, no, this is as good as we're going to make it. I think there is a real danger yeah. in some companies because if you're a really experienced collector, mm. you know what you like, yeah, you'll find the watch that you want and you can confidently make the decision. If you're an idiot like me who's endlessly curious and fascinating, you're always playing, but you're never actually pressed by because you're like, for every cool combination you you make, at least in my head, I'm like the anxiety of, oh, what if I just change a few? I wonder if there's a better one out there. You know, it's actually in yeah, some ways it's true. harder to do. It does so drive I think me nuts. You, yeah, so I think nuts. what you guys have done is actually really yeah. clever because you sort of said you stand by your artistic decision in some ways. I, I totally respect that, particularly at the price right. bracket that you're playing at. I think it's awesome. Having the customizer stuff, you know, made to order in layer three, four or five, whatever you say, that would be a cool thing on its own if that comes down mm -hmm. the line. But I do think actually having off the shelf, if I may call it that, ready combinations that you got, that, that the founders of the design approved and endorsed, I think actually works really well for me because I don't have to think about it. I, totally. It's hard enough to choose out of the cool five colors, yeah. let alone cool five colors cases. What about a crown size or a different color loop? That's fair. That's fair. It drove me nuts. Like, I can't tell you how many <laughs> Oxen Jr. Photoshops I had of like, 100%. Right. I can see Adam. Think, I can see Adam thinking over here, and I'm sure Adam, Adam has a different the, view. the opposite. I think. <laughs> so I've eaten a lot of. I've eaten a lot of really bad salads. So there are two ways salads are sold at restaurants. Either you know, pick four ingredients, we mash them together, or they give it some name, and you just pick the name off the menu. And in the pick four ingredients mode, I've actually sometimes messed up. And I guess the benefit here is, you know, you both have design expertise and you know, professional, thoughtful designers. <laughs> and so at least we get the chef selection rather than, you know, pick four ingredients. I will say, even when I first started doing watches, you know, Bastard and Banks, my first, the, what I was doing first was I was only using Unitas 6497, so it was all hand wound. But I let you pick between four dials, four different handsets. Two different crowns and the second hands you can you can also pick from like colors and things like that and the straps and to be able to do it was super expensive too much, first of all too much. like to start off that way and to be able to kind of like figure out how much inventory you got to carry to be able to do that it was just a nightmare and you know so it was cool because it was kind of like all right semi-custom right it was semi-custom like you pick the combination so you make it your own which was a cool concept, yeah. but it was just, it's just, maybe at this point I could do it, but it was just super, I like that idea. This was in, you know, 2012. So it was, it was different time. Sure. Yeah. 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 Sure. <laughs> I feel like Laco or Stoa or both, maybe Archimedes, yeah, some of yeah. those German yeah, pilot watch brands have that sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Yeah. Decla. Yeah. Decla. They, I, I think, think they Decla have their own manufacturers, so it's a little bit easier to do. Yeah. I, I... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, yet you do not have that yet. You know, the, the <laughs> empire, the empire is growing. You know, when we get you back in twelve months, you're like, oh, we've opened three factories. You know, we've got 12, oh, 12 boutiques. Bad. You know, Andrew's got his own private jet. He's flying around the place. You know, 
That's Rick right. is our global ambassador, you know, setting up a boutique <laughs> in Antarctica, you know, for the penguin market, you know, you kind of, you know, you dominate, it's, right. you know, you dominate step by step. No, but it's really, but it is really cool. As I said, like, I think one of the things we were going to ask you about is kind of what you feel the, the design language of the brand is and what are the kind of the indelible elements of the design that you carry forward. And it's a similar kind yeah. of thing. You guys yeah. seem to have a really clear idea where you're going with this. So I feel very comfortable yeah. as a customer selecting a approved layer 2.1, 2.5, whatever it is, because I know right. the endless debates that you guys have already had between you two will guarantee yeah, me a you. cool combination. Right. Appreciate that. I think, you know, I think we've, we've talked about, and I'll go, I'll go grab this too. I mean, when it comes to wristwatches, I think it's, you know, things we've talked about, it does land it when it comes into what the theory of the brand is, I think as much as it's aesthetic, it is equally this idea of how do you create a watch where the movement itself is serving a purpose different than its intended purpose, right? So mm -hmm. like the layer two is, has got a day date function, but it's the only watch I know where it's not really utilizing at all other than it's switching over every 24 hours. Mm. And like, I personally, the way I set my watches <laughs> is so it actually turns over at noon so I could see it, you <laughs> right. know, and do it during the day, which also is not something <laughs> is anybody does on a day to day function is like, that would, that would be horrible on my Monday, the first, <laughs> you know, model switching to Tuesday, the second at noon. But, but for yeah. this, you know, watch, like that's a really fun thing that you can do that. And it's no big deal. Like when I go to set the watch, I don't give a shit where the day date where the day date are at. It's going to look good. And that's also nice too, because <laughs> this probably isn't the only watch you own if you bought a Solab. So, you know, again, having that as like something in my watch box, that's, I don't have to annoyingly set the date. I could just set the time and I'm good to go. That's a cool thing. I think the same goes then for when you come to a chronograph, I personally, again, going back to the personal side, I run, when I, when I wear my Speedmaster, I run it. I run the chronograph. When I wear my Breitling, my Navitimer, I run the chronograph. I'm not timing shit. I just like it running. I just like it. So how do I take that movement and now create a watch that's tied to the Solab's identity that I can click and let run. And that's part of the fun of like watching this thing go throughout the day. And that's something that's like, maybe the next, you know, journey beyond what's in the immediate future, which is desk clocks and wall clocks. Like we've wanted to do clocks from the beginning. Oh yeah. We've prototyped some clocks and like, we are now finally in a place where like, oh my God, like be able to do a clock, I think would come from like, after we get to a point where we're like, all right, sales have yeah. been great with layer two, Let's take it and roll it, keep rolling. With, the, with money that we make is not about taking it out and making money, making profit. It's about building a brand and trying to keep creating and like making cool so stuff. Go buy the layer that two other because we want to make find as interesting as we. <laughs> I love that idea. I'm gonna go get that clock. Mad. <laughs> some of these clocks. So what clock are you gonna Some make? of these clocks. I mean, we we made one of exactly the layer one dial in hands, right? We made that a prototype, mm -hmm. and they would look fantastic. That was a walk clock or a stand. We also made a stand for it. We could just set it on your 
This one is a table clock. There's a layer one clock right there. No, oh, well. yep. This That's is one of the layer yeah. one clocks. So it looks like a big version of the watch, basically. Exactly. You get the transparency. It's cut through. Yeah. So that was kind of cool, but these were all handmade, and my God, was it (laughs) painful? I made all these. I made them all by hand, and it was brutal, like brutal. The layer two, layer two clocks are much again like they don't have the dome. I did make the crystal for them, but very much like the actual watch design. And then similarly, and then the one that likely we would end up producing first is the table clock. This one too would have a dome crystal. But what's cool about it is as the hour moves, that disc is actually moving from purple to pink over 12 hours. So the same concept of a disc that moves and changes as the day goes by is inherent within the clock design too of again like going with how can we create a clock that is not look we've got desk clock i got tons of clocks even in my own office right now i don't have anything that does something like this where it's like we found a mechanism that we're able to layer getting a disc on the same stem as the hour hand and then actually sandwich the dial in between that <laughs> yeah, so that they're moving on the same axis, but giving totally different functions. One's telling time and one's just giving me a color aesthetic peeking through the dial. And like that, again, it's selfish. Very it's cool. like, this is cool. This love is it. not something yeah. I see and something that I would love sitting in front of me. And I have another one in my office. This one I actually put upstairs in my I'm like, this is cool. And I'm going to make everybody look at this when they come in my house and not just in my office. But I think that, you know, going to your question of like, what what's next for the brand? How do you keep it growing? I think it does tie back to like, it's not just about the dial cut out and what the hand shape looks like. I think that layering of like having some kind of die cut to the dial should always be inherent and trying to utilize discs or the beauty of a movement itself. That should be inherent. But the idea of trying to repurpose and utilize a movement for beyond what it was in for and create something that's more along the the artistic realm and also tied to what people do. Like I said, I I run my chrono all the time. Like when I wear that, it's like, all right, that's what can we do with that? And what does it look like for Soul Labs to create something like that? What does a desk clock look like where it's like, well, the movement's going to tell time. But could it also have a disc that changes color and is works because it's the stem is long enough? Yep, we found it and we're able to now hopefully be able to do that too within. The, that's I think what we're. What... That's very cool. That oh, is wow. very. Cool. I love the yeah, love the desk, love the clock prototypes, and obviously our listeners can't see them, but we can, and they're pretty cool. They're really really cool. And once again, <laughs> I'm I'm like you. I've got Thank a you. ton of clocks around the house. I've got seven in my office here. But once again, none of them do the core color trick or that kind of concept. Oh, yeah. It's very, very no, cool. I think I've got 40 clocks in here and none of them do. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really think of that many watches that have a paired clock. I mean, Knox Bell with Youngins has his combination. And then Brown has also made Brown clocks and watches. But beyond that, I can't really think of many. I mean, there's yeah. obviously that most from Eager Lacoutte, but that's a totally just different aesthetic. Yeah, right? maybe... Like the, the ones that I always, whenever I look at your clocks, or so your watches, not your clocks, but look, clocks now, but your watches, I always think of 
another independent maker who played with colour, which was Elaine Silberstein, obviously playing with colour in a different yeah. way, with different indicators, but also that similar kind totally. of geometric shapes, you know, with triangular hands or whatever it is, and having a play with yeah. watches and clocks, playing with colour but in a different way, but it always kind of makes me smile. And those kind yeah. of watches and the way Elaine thinks about indicating time, always very playful, which yeah. is what I think of Solabs. You know, it's very, very thoughtfully designed, but very totally. playful, very playful. So, which is very cool. And Elaine yeah. has had done some. I appreciate that, like, uh, comparison. I think that's a really, that's yeah. like a really kind thing to say. We love his work. I think, like, mm -hmm. when the Louis Arard collab came with Elaine Silverstein, we're like, oh, God, this is so badass. Yeah. Like, this is, yeah. I and, and even the one, I think, Andrew, you had it with the indicator with, that with the emojis, gave the little yeah. smiley face or the yeah. frown face or like that. Yeah, it's like this is exactly what it should be about. It's personal. It's fun. It's not just about flash and, you know, status. It's about something that is man-made, handmade, on your wrist, and telling time, but also giving you something a little bit beyond that. And I think his work has always been super playful and something that we've appreciated. I, That's exactly we yeah, what I was going to say. We definitely talked like about it. Man, it'd be so cool if we could do a collab <laughs> with him on a layer two or something like that because I can see visually his colors, right? Those primary <laughs> colors with our case. It just looks so cool, I think. Yeah. I'll put a pre-order now. Just put one <laughs> we'll aside we'll... already, like lock it in now. Like I don't even need to know what it looks like. It's going to be cool. Just put me down for one. And also, but... but, but <laughs> But thinking of like other things, because he's an architect and Rick, I think you trained in architecture as well. I think we talked about it yeah. in the last bit. So there you go. It's all just all these things yeah, connecting. Very, very cool. Elaine, if you're listening. And we know you do. <laughs> Shoot me a DM, bro. <laughs> just slide, slide in there. Well, he isn't. Well, I mean, the one thing to say about Elaine Silverstone, he's very much finally starting yeah, to get some is. time in the sun yeah. at the moment. You know, certainly his yeah. work mm -hmm. is being highlighted. See, so he's doing sort of more totally. and more collabs and things. I mean, he did, I think yeah. he just did one with Bell and Ross, literally, in the, like they announced in the last yep. couple of days. Yep. So let's make this happen, yeah. people. I mean, he, he even did one amazing. with MBNF, which was amazing. Like, yes, that's an amazing, yeah, was, LM machine. So good. That was yeah, an yeah. awesome piece. Really good. Yeah, awesome. really good. So, Are there any other design forward watches that you admire? You know, I just bought and we did too. I did get one of the, the Bell Contos that just was oh, nice. released. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to wait probably almost a year, but I got the purple from Christopher Ward. And I think mm -hmm. that one is like, I'm really pumped for that just because it's like, all right, it's actually, it's not like so labs at all, but it is in the sense like, okay, you're, you're taking a Salida, you are evolving that movement with another 50 piece to create something that's totally different, unique at the price point that you're offering. That I just, I like absolutely love that the whole concept of that. And I think uh, those guys, you know, while it's not like what they're doing, like a chime move on the hour, the price point that they're doing at is very different. And I can't tell you the last time I saw a chime movement that is offering something in purple and baby blue and like a champagne dot. Nobody's doing that. And most of the, sh the chimes that you'll see, it's hidden, you know, <laughs> and if it is, 
it is shown it's not like tied to an aesthetic of like a bird you know if you really look at the thing it's like a bird you know kind of smacking its tail against that big piece so i i i like what they've done with that it, it's clearly something that resonated well you know for <laughs> with i think the watch yeah. community in selling out like immediately and being something super different i saw one yeah, a few weeks ago it was really awesome actually. they had yeah it's a yeah, it's amazing. a pretty st- I, I got the salmon kind of dial one coming so i'm excited for that one yeah the rosa right yeah. <laughs> flamingo let's go Stop. with let's let's overlay your language into <laughs> the thing. I do, but I think we talked about color nomenclatures that you guys come up with for your colors and things. I really like seeing how that's evolving, you know, from layer one to layer two to layer three. Like I'm looking forward to this vocabulary building up and hopefully by the time you get sort of layer three, four, you're going to start combining them in there and like (laughs) Olympic flamingo, you know, like kind of do the Olympic obsidian or something. That would be really, you know, kind of do the in-jokes. You know, yeah. kind of do the in-jokes of in-jokes. That's real. Like, you know, just kind of start to reflect on your own back catalog. That's, <laughs> that's when, you know, you've really, you've made it, right? You're like, oh, we, we can that's refer cool. to our own no, vocabulary like that. here. That's cool. <laughs> that, yeah, would be yeah, really that. Good. that helps me too. Yeah, Rick, helps Rick's me. in charge of the naming. Um, Shit, you know. <laughs> it's, yeah. It goes with the whole, with the whole. So you just uh, got to sort of... Uh, it's just so you got to set aside, you know, LSD budget for naming. You're like, well, you know, we got to do some, yeah, <laughs> mushrooms. Just uh... well, look, whatever helps to, you know, pay OT sessions, whatever <laughs> hot boxing, whatever it is, it works. No, look, it's really interesting. I recently, no, like, I find like nomenclatures and naming of things really interesting, particularly well, well both yeah. with people, but also with makers how they name their things. Because it's one thing to make something really cool, or you th- you think is really right. cool it must be really hard to name it, right? Because you've got a, it's a whole different yeah, process because it has to sound reasonable, can't be rude in all different languages, has to make sure <laughs> right. that the name's yeah. available, right? Like, it's really interesting. Like, I find that, like, right. do, is that something you have to go through when once you've made it, like, well, we got to call it this. Or it's just the colors. So the last time it was just the colors, basically. It's, it's like, it's dominant. It's the dominant colors has been the the you know nomenclature that we built out which you would think it, it at least helps when you're like all right well i guess this is what it should be but you definitely run into a few situations where you're like that's kind of what it should be but that just doesn't sound right or that just doesn't sound compelling or like what do i want you know so like we would have i would be like all right even when we landed on plum punch I can't tell you how many different I had, like all these different in for purple. And then the punch was like a variety of different things. But, you know, ultimately you're like, what is the vibe that you're also trying to get a- across with much, right? <laughs> so like when you, when you've got something like, a, and again, it's selfish. Is this the name of a watch that I would be like, oh yeah, I've got, this is the Obsidian Frostmont. That sounds fucking cool. So like, why would, so go with the, go with the convention, the convention worked and now move it forward. I think it's like, if we, you know, had evolved that and turned into a single word or an, maybe that could work out. But so far it's been like, it's also like kind of fun to keep that level of consistency, but uh, you know, eventually you <laughs> run out of things that sound like good combinations, even if they're theoretically correct. So I think that's part of, you know, the, 
the maybe yeah, the challenge as hard. we continue it, to grow grow the model. You know, you <laughs> think you have something cool, and then you look it up, and it's already <laughs> something else. And yeah, it, it, it's a whole process. So working with Rick and and naming watches has been a lot more fun than what what I'm used to doing and it's just a whole different perspective for me so it's it's really cool to kind of have that have that with me with him because I'm never used to talking to somebody about naming a watch I'm just trying to think of it up sitting here like oh what should I name this watch <laughs> it's really hard so and, and you don't want it to be corny you don't want it to be like I don't know so it's just kind of like it's a hard process for sure It is. So time has passed since the layer one was designed. I believe it was designed pre-pandemic, if I'm correct. Yeah. It released during, and now it's 2023. How have tastes evolved over the past three or so years? Per- or have they evolved? Personal taste? Are you I'd see selling to the same people? It's weird because... Uh, yeah, that's... Yeah. Or the market's tastes. Or both. Or both. I feel like the market's actually swung further in our chin. Like I, I feel like when we first put this out, most of what we saw was much more like we've got black dial, white dial, and blue <laughs> dial. And then it's like, oh God, look at this. Somebody's got an orange, some, you know, a pop of orange, and people are like shitting themselves. Nowadays, it's like, I feel like every brand's got some like, look, you know, I think and honestly, I don't know if it's it's you know, Paddock doing the Tiffany dial, or if it was Rolex doing those like, you know, poppy, poppy colors that they did like two years. But I feel like lots of people now have felt like, you know, the, the look of the, the, you know, 80s post-mod kind of like poppy color has become a little bit more mainstream and less of like, ooh, is this risky? Like, and Belcanto is a good example of it. Like, the last four issues that they that, that they just put out that now are not limited editions but will be, you know, are limited at least for this pre-order was like a baby blue, a purple, a, <laughs> a and then a black, which was straightforward. And then I would even say the one you grabbed, Andrew, that was like more of the champagne. Like you don't see that as much either. So I would feel like personally what i've seen in the last year and a half you know call it like the post covid time frame has been more of like hey a lot of people are are working a lot of people when they go out don't give as much of a shit about what people think about what they're wearing or what they you know what watch they've got on so people are taking more of like a life is short i want to have something fun and and that might be with risks, that might be with whatever else it is that they're purchasing. So I personally have seen more risks in like, and and in many cases that's still modest, but but deviating outside of their normal color palettes, I think has become a little bit more common with brands. So I would say- I noticed this with people's hair, a lot. actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, a lot. And 100% last I agree with that. And yeah, to, to kind of <laughs> yes. go with Rick too is, you know, before Tiffany and before Rolex, there wasn't a lot of brands doing a ton of color. And after that, every brand is doing a lot of color. And you can't get away from, you know, somebody saying, oh, Tiffany, <laughs> Tiffany. Well, of course, yeah, Tiffany, Tiffany. And I was like, do you know what the Tiffany color looks like? Because it's not like this. <laughs> it's like when you put them next to each other. But anything that resembles that is what people think of. And personally, from like a design standpoint, 
I don't like it because it's not why I did that. I also did like, for instance, the mint green previous to any of those. And uh, it's just, it's so funny because that's what people think. And it's a, like, I can't tell you how many times I heard it at wind up people saying, oh yeah, Tiffany. Oh yeah. It's like the Tiffany color. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, here we go. <laughs> and you're like, I was yeah, working on this for that. a yeah. year. And, uh, Thank but you. No, I think just <laughs> I, right now, I think the market is colors. Yeah. I still think from a design standpoint that Solab's design language is still a little bit farther than I can't think of another watch really that that is close to that. I think most everything else is kind of like what I'm doing on the Ashton yeah. Bank size versus what we're doing on the Solabs, and that's part of the fun, right? And we're we're taking a lot of risk doing this. <laughs> and as Rick said, people are starting to kind of go there and want something very different like this, but still wearable. And I so I think we're in a good place for that. I I, I don't know. I I think that this watch is I'm really proud of it. I think it's so cool. And and I'm just trying to get my, get out of the, I'm one of the owners part of thing. I'm part of this team, right? But I can say that because Rick designed the watch mostly, right? He's mostly, and I'm just coming, I'm, I'm here <laughs> watching him do that. I'm designing my own stuff, other side. I get some input in this, but Rick is the designer of these watches. And for me to look at it and from an out, almost as an outsider, but just kind of like, oh, I work here kind of thing is really, really cool to, to see this <laughs> and what he can come up with and be super excited about it. And to really, truly be able to say, show me something else like that, you know, at this price, at this price point, show me something else. And I, I, yeah. I can't think mm -hmm. of it off my head. Totally. Totally. Yeah, for but sure, Andrew's a really good client. I mean, he's, he's, he like dies down his like design sensibility and like input it's like the best client. It's like, like I said earlier in the podcast, like, well, we got to do it in brass hands. And I, when he told me, I was like, Son of a bitch, like, <laughs> I really was hoping you would tell me we don't need to do that because then we, you know, then I wouldn't have to like rack my brain about doing this. But that, that like sentence in itself led to like, okay, a multitude, just like, what can I do with this? How does sure. it look? Let me do it again and, again and again. And now got it to a place where I'm like, dude, check this out. I think this is right. Yeah. And then him being like, yeah, nailed it. Or like, and I think he might, Andrew might've been the one too of like, oh, the second hand need, needs to have some little point that comes with mm. it, similar to the other hands. Because on the layer one, it was pure circle, which was what I wanted with the dot. And a lot of people was like, wait, is that thing moving? And you mm -hmm. really got to like, look at it. And now the yeah. layer two, it's like, all right, we've got a little bit more of that softness of the hand of, of a point, And now you can see it moving more clearly. That's him too. So like, I, I think yeah. it, it is nice the way we end up working together with it, even though I have more of the, the design control there, the input is very much like, well, also I'm client. not afraid of time. No, this is not going to fucking client. work. <laughs> you know, so we have that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Best so, client, uh, but I, yeah. yeah, which is why it takes a long time. Yeah. And I think where we ended up, I think, well. like, yeah, totally. Yeah, I think what you've said actually works quite well. Like, I've thought a lot about the color for color's sake and all that, and we'll talk about that in a second. What I really like is the with you guys with layer one and now layer two and the the clocks and whatever else you make. You've got this consistent and coherent, stable, in a sense, design language 
that you can refer back to. I suspect a lot of the companies now that are making color dials, those mm-hmm. things will age really badly. It, not, not in terms of the quality <laughs> of the product, but it will date the piece really badly in five years' time. Right. So my theory is yeah. all the companies that have made Tiff, Tiffany-inspired dial colors in three to five to seven years' time, that will look really dated, just like the green yeah. dial craze has come and gone, right. the blue dial, you know, all these things. Whereas Solabs doesn't have that problem because you're like, we've always made this. This is, we started, this was <laughs> the agency piece right. we made and we've carried this forward. We, you can legitimately stand on that as, no, no, this is ours. We've carried this right. with us. Interestingly, Similar. the two companies that we can say popular, popularized and kind of propelled the watch industry down the color dial part, the Rolex and the <laughs> tech have stopped doing color dials. Rolex discontinued right. their really quickly, like two years or something. They're like, yeah, we totally get it. If we carry it forward, it, it's cute now and it's hyper popular and it's going off like anything, but we know it's not going to be desirable in five years time unless we pull a plug on it right. and make it a limited edition thing. So, totally. so you guys are in my head, you guys are playing a different color game. You're actually playing with <laughs> color in the, like the, Joseph Albert's kind of way, which I think we talked about in the last totally. podcast. You've got your own design language. You, you're kind of, you know, you're following a different track to just ah, color go. dial of them up, <laughs> that kind of thing. Oh, oh yeah, baby. <laughs> just for our listeners. Sorry, out. I've got an Albert's in my uh, office. <laughs> turning the, the turn of the teleprompter. <laughs> anyway. <Thank you. laughs> That's very cool. So yeah, I love Albert's. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting how some products can become dated and some can't uh, or don't as much. I mean, I guess one of the reasons I enjoy Rolex <laughs> is if you buy a new vintage Rolex that's 30 years old or even you know one that's 40 years old, it actually often looks quite a lot like what's in their current catalog. I mean, yeah. the current catalog is mm-hmm. a more robust build quality, probably weighs a bit more. But, you know, from, from three meters away, they look like largely the same watch. Um, and some other competing brands, starts with an O, cough, cough, haven't done that. Mm-hmm. And it creates, you know, a, a situation where the watches age in a way. Because you're like, okay, that's 90s, that's 2000s, that's 2010s, that's right. you know, limited edition one, that's limited edition two. And, and that's... Part of the reason I have, have the bias towards Rolex that I laid in my collection. Uh, I know, because it's hilarious. Timeliness <laughs> room, and I was like freaking out and nodding his head in panic. This, this, this <laughs> podcast marriage is on the rocks. You know, we're working through, we're working through Adam's Rolex thing. We're having therapy, but you know, he's not amenable to change. Goodness. Whereas like Paddock has a million SKUs. They've got so many watches. They they kill off SKUs. They've basically killed off the gondolo for men, essentially, currently reworked with the Calatravas and Andrew Way. So there's different different strategies that different brands have, even if they do have kind of a desire for multi-decades of heritage mm. where do you see yourselves going do you see kind of certain elements being durable where do you see this being in 10 years Ooh. or do you one of my favorite musicians gareth emery released five albums yeah. he's been popular for about a decade and he said i'm good i'm gonna yeah. put out something else yeah. later and i'm not gonna make it under gareth emery this is the last one I mean, fr- frankly I'm I, don't, here. We're gonna have, I don't think <laughs> we've had that discussion about 10 years but you know for, I mean, I'll speak for myself, and this is going to be as raw as possible. But for me, <laughs> I still see Soul Labs being around in 10 years. 
And and part of that, part of why the reason we yeah. have labs in the name is because we want to make not just watches, right? We're moving to clocks, and who knows what else we'll be we'll be making, but or, mm-hmm. or even thinking about something with time and design, something along those lines. Always trying to come up with something, and so I hope right. and, and I hope that people you know support us with this, but is that in 10 years, we're able to keep some really fun, because I think color and, and design, there's always there's always a group of people who love that. Right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I hope totally. that we're still, and I don't care if we're not making any money in 10 years, that we're still being able to make a cool product, totally. it's not about what that. we want, something we both argued about, something we, we both talked about, Picking at the littlest things that nobody <laughs> else will see to come up with something like the layer two, and so I, I really hope that in, in ten years we're still yeah. nitpicking at things and making cool stuff and make fun, colorful things because I think that is the life of So Labs is that it's fun. It's not just watches. It's let's figure out what we can create and uh, you know, who knows what else we'll make it or we'll think of in the future. Right now our passion hmm. is watches and I always want to have something with that, but I also want to think about other cool stuff we can do. And that's why that labs is in the name because we just want to think about cool stuff to make. <laughs> exactly. I'm on the same age. I feel like it's like this passion and interest, it, it's not going there. Like it's been present for, over a decade at this I'm too old for that like so for me it's more it's the same deal it's like what what would be cool to do next what would i want to wear next what would you want to wear next well, what should we try and explore doing and i think that's it if you're able to do that in your life period where it's like this isn't just about make the goal in making money is so that you could take it and now explore something else that hopefully that you also could share with people. I think that's most the most like rewarding part about this business is that it's not just to sell all the things necessary for life. It is, we're lucky enough to have this be a passion project and something that we on the side and that the money that's generated from the goal is just to push it back into creating cool things and exploring new things. So, and with that, that does build brand equity then because if someone could come back and hit up Rick or Andrew in the next five years, which they will, and say, hey, the watch needs service, or I wanna, hey, what are you guys putting out next? Or or I'm still following you guys or interested in what you're doing. I think that in itself is part of the reward and why you did it in the first place. It wasn't <laughs> sell a buttload of watches, make some cash and then dip out. It was to explore doing something different in a hobby an industry that we love and are always going to want to be seeing what other people are doing, you know, within. And I think that's, <laughs> that's, I don't know, that's where we stand. Yeah. That's yeah. Oh, beautifully said that beautifully said one question I did have though, with you guys was the way I see a lot, quite a lot of other companies working, they're starting to focus on reaching their, target collectors, if you like, you know, so Oxen Jr., for example, yeah. you know, Fifth Wrist, we recently did a project with Oxen Jr. They did a limited edition for us, which came out very organically. Do you guys see Solabs kind of doing similar sort of stuff, reaching out oh, or collectors yeah. reaching? Right. Hell yeah. I think like your listeners were, you know, just throw this out there. Like when we did the first podcast with you, we got 
a really great response on the layer yeah, one yeah. after it posted. Yeah. So thank you to all that the fifth great. listeners. Awesome. Like that was awesome. genuinely, yeah. like thank you to you guys because I don't even know. Yeah, it was. It was like a good amount of people bought watches, and that was super cool. And I'm like, here. the dial is intentionally label free because if your brand <laughs> does have very notable color combinations or usages that are, are existing in your brand, how fun would that be to incorporate it into a layer two or beyond that? And maybe even the seconds hand maybe does have a unique shape that's tied to a logo or identity or whatnot. And I, oh. or, or if it's not there in the second hand, it's definitely etched into the crown, you know, and it's showing up in that space. So I think like the collaboration side, at least from what we've seen in the market typically leads to the stuff that I think is cooler because mm -hmm. it's more limited. It's taking the best of two different worlds that you mm -hmm. might, you know, think are personal to you or interesting in general going on. Yeah, so I like, think I would kind love of go off to of do that. more stuff. Uh, I've had some experience with collaborations and I, I'm doing, I already did one, but it's not out yet. A collaboration, you know, the Fortitude where I did slightly different dial, different colors with a collector mm. who's going to be doing, he's got his own little group project of this watch and there's charity involved. And then there's this cool like sure. story with the, with the watch where people in this group can buy the watch, hmm. record their history with the watch for the first year, and then pass the watch on to somebody that they feel deserves the watch. And then that person does the same thing and they give it to somebody else. And it, it's not, so anyway, it's, it's really cool. Oh, wow. And, but doing collaborations oh. to me, I really like them because whether it's with a custom clothing shop here in Chicago, which I've done. Or, or something else, you know, getting emails from people like, hey, I just bought this watch from over here. I really love it, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like literally they're just sending an email to tell me how much they love it, nothing else, right? Mm. It's really cool. But the best part about it to me, it's mm. like you're doing a collaboration. When I do a collaboration, it's more personal. Everything is personal about it, right? It's their brand or it's their sure, whatever. Yeah. Even when I did it with Rick, it was so sure. personal to me because not only was Rick my friend, right? How Soul Labs got started. Yeah. But it was like, a, I got to learn about their culture, their company, and how they care about their clients. And I got to be a part of that. So it was it was right. really, really personal. And that's hmm. what I love about collaborations. It's not like, hey, we're going to sell all these watches, right? It's more like we're doing this kind of cool thing <laughs> where there's this whole story behind it. And I just get to be a part of it or, you know, so definitely collaborations is something that we love doing all these kind of things. It's just. I don't know any That's other awesome. job where you can do something like that, where it's that personal, right? If you're doing it on a corporate level, it's like more about, all right, let's make money. Right. Yeah. You know, I want to use your brand, use my brand, let's make money. This is way right. more personal right. than anything else, especially when you talk about watch. Totally agree. Yeah, I was involved in the discussions with Fox and Junior regarding our set amount of raw special edition, and we debated the length of the hands, <laughs> the method of applying the indices, the color of the indices, texture of the dial. I mean, every every little yeah, minute yeah. detail was debated. <laughs> so fun. Essentially, and I yeah. sent them questions: Can you do A? Can you do B? Can you do C? Yes, no, and then we kind of. <laughs> arrived at something after a lot of discussion. But it does make the watch so much more special. And particularly like with yeah. you guys, because you've got with Solab such a strong 
kind of design language. Mm -hmm. It is very distinctive, you know, which is clearly mm -hmm. your vision for how this should look. Marrying it up with someone else's vision of what they want, but but still kind of making it a Solabs, not necessarily the Sol right. Solabs you would make otherwise, yeah. but making it as, like I said, it, it's really cool. That would be really, really cool. I'm glad to hear it. And hopefully other yeah. groups, enthusiasts, communities, whatever the appropriate term, whatever the collective yeah. noun for watch nerds is, a sadness of watch nerds, <laughs> you know, if there are other sadnesses of watch nerds listening, they could, you know, really yeah. embrace that totally and kind agree. of roll with yeah. it. That's really cool. Really totally. cool. Very worthwhile. So let's talk about Solab. Now we're talking about this. Let's just tell our listeners, you know, so Solab's layer two, tell us, is it available now? Like what's the best yeah. way for people to buy so, it now? Uh, what's the, it, it is available where do now. They get it from? We're just starting to ship these watches and, you know, we're, we're slowly starting to ship, okay. I'll say that, but we have all the watches, all the QC has been done and <laughs> we're getting, you know, we got all the packaging, everything's kind of getting there. But so we, I, I literally just shipped out like the first 15 pieces yesterday. So, and I got, I got, I got quite a few more to cool. ship out well, next that's week, all of next week. But so yeah, they're, they're available now. You go to our website, so-labs.co. You can follow us on Instagram as well, so-labs.co and shop it from there. But yeah, on our website is the best place to get it. And, you know, I'll tell you my favorite yeah. variation is the iced oatmeal. So Go the iced it. oatmeal is my favorite variation. I absolutely mm -hmm. love that kind of the powder blue with the pink and I just love the color combination. I know it's not as bright as the other ones, but I, I absolutely love it. Just like the layer one, the abalone steel was my, my favorite color combo. This is my abalone steel on the layer two. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Fantastic. I love the Apple Steel, the one that I picked up. I've been hard to pick up. I'm honestly, I, I wear whatever one Andrew's like, hey, we got this one back from a review. You want it? Like, <laughs> Hell yeah, give me that one. I'll, I'll wear that one right. <laughs> so I've been a mix between, I've been a mix between Obsidian Frost. I'll wear the Iron Flamingo on a strap as soon as I get it. I'll wear the Plum Punch. And then the Charcoal Fog is like, a typical go-to on bracelet, Andrew's always got the ice oatmeal. We still don't have our watches for us. So it's just whatever whatever of the five prototypes are available for me to steal and has been kind of what's been on my wrist. But we are super excited. I think we were like, we weren't sure and thinking that likely we'd be able to ship by end of January and, you know, had been able to get everything now. And we do have everything to ship. We're still working through the final QC of all the watches with our watchsmen who, you know, do final QC checks, make sure everything's running smoothly before we ship them out. So that's not fully done, but ultimately we've got a good number of watches that are like, you order them, you're, you're probably going to get it shipped out to you within, and it, and it being within the next and maybe by the time this air, that will definitely be, you order it and you just... And you don't have to become best friends with your AD. You don't have to like take them out to dinner and buy five right. watches in a package and all sorts of crazy things. You don't have to spend like $20,000 with us before getting the one that you want. <laughs> but that is, but it does make a nice change for a smaller brand to have watches on hand to ship because I think... The, oh, huge. the watch collecting community has been kind of yes. weaned onto a different 
ordering process, which is you put money down and it takes a year. Like you know, and during yes. COVID, I get yeah. all of that. But that's certainly the novelty of they're ready to yeah. go. If you buy it, it goes out. Is rarer than kind of what we would all expect it to be. So so kudos to totally. you guys. Which means they've gotten at risk if you think, think about it. So they're did. holding. Appreciate you noticing and noting that because it was a risk. I, you know, we talked about that. We're like, do we take the Kickstarter route to guarantee we have the money to do the yeah. orders? Do we do pure pre-orders? And then once we hit the threshold, we put in the order to put them into production? Or do we go the route where we just bite mm. the bullet we front it, we believe in our product and our project and front the money to put it in production and then list it for pre-sale, but you're gonna get it within the, mm. the next few months. And that was what we ultimately did. We put it up for pre-order at the end of October and said, hey, everybody, like these are pre-order, but this is not just a crapshoot. They are in sure. production. Yeah. We have yeah, paid yeah, yeah. and we are producing these watches and you're going to get them as soon as we have them and they're ready to roll. And that's what we've we've stuck by and believed in doing. And I do think that is a differentiator. It's like it's not 100%. This isn't a Kickstarter project. It's a it's a brand and product that we really do believe in. And we put our money forward to do that. And uh, and now we're we're here, you know, right where we had hoped we'd be, where we're, we've got a good amount of pre-orders. But obviously want to keep selling more and get them on people's wrists and Get to see people enjoy them. I mean, it is actually like one of the most thrilling parts about all this is like when you start to see other people post your watch on their wrist, on their Instagram page, it's like the best feeling because you're just like, oh, shit, it's another person getting to just appreciate what we did here and how much time went into this. And it's it's nice to be at that, that point. It's taken a long time. <laughs> Adam knows because you saw the prototypes. Like the fucking- <laughs> exactly, that's where you well done, well done to you guys. As said, huge kudos, definitely Thank for you. kind of actually getting. Yeah, it just speaks. Yeah, to it never you gets old. I'll say that. Anytime somebody totally. posts a picture or sends an email or a message about how much they like, it's like brand new again. And so yeah, it never never gets old. <laughs> that should that I think we should do that like as a PSA. You know, reach out to your, you know, watch, you know, independent watchmaker. Just say hi and yeah. say well done. You don't have to buy anything. Just, just yeah. give them that virtual. I mean, buying That's is cool. nice. Like, no, don't get yeah. me wrong. By ordering what is nice, but even if you're not, yeah. just reach out and say hey, you know, yeah. love what you do. That's, oh yeah, That's definitely. Cool. Even That's though really this watch nice. is not for you, just appreciating it. what we did is, you know, giving us a nod is great because. Yeah. We know this isn't a watch for everybody, right? It's it's not for everybody. It's for a specific, exactly. Right. And, you know, that's what makes it special. So, if, even if somebody says, "Hey, this is really cool," that's all. You know, it makes us feel better. It gives us hope to get, keep going and doing other cool stuff. Cool. Awesome. No, for sure. Well done. Yeah. Should we do recommendations oh, yeah. and things? Oh yeah. Sure. I can give you one. <laughs> oh, you guys are prepared. That's awesome. Let's go. Hell yeah. There's there's a photographer that I fucking love. His name is Paul. His Instagram handle is at P-O-L-K-U-R-U. And the photography is fucking wild. Like, I just like, I love it. Like the whole style of it is just like, you know, it it comes across as like, (laughs) I don't know. It It feels so perfectly so labs too, where it's like, it's minimal, but also like super complex, super staged and has like a lot of like depth to it. And also like vibrancy of color. 
there's some very interesting series that maybe is not as much collabs, ESM stuff, but like there is some wild shit and I do, I love his stuff. Definitely worth a follow. Uh, <laughs> it almost looks like it's generated by AI. It does. It does, but it's not. It's go. like, it's, mine uh, it's is super a, badass. Yeah, I mine's love, probably something. You guys <laughs> maybe already follow him, but he is a friend of mine that I met through because he bought one of my watches years ago, but waitlisted. And yeah, yeah. So James, oh, yeah, so better in person. what I love about him though is I, <laughs> I did a little like meet up with MK2 and a couple other guys and he came up to my little, where I was at and, you know, it was basically like a collector's thing. So I had a bunch of like my personal collection. It wasn't about, you know, after and banks that, but he just like got really into watches, had some really cool stuff, but then got really into photography. Like he's only, he's only been you know, photographing mm, yeah. for like three years or something like that from, so he's just kind of like, just totally dived yeah, right. in and has become, you know, now he's doing photography for Houdinki and, you know, a bunch of other folks, but total out of just getting into watches, getting into photography. And he's become, you know, like really famous on Instagram and, and in the watch scene, but I love his stuff. And, yeah, yeah, uh, sure. and he's just a really nice dude too. So oh yeah, waitlisted. Yeah, waitlisted is it's just really cool to oh, see him. When I first met him, he wasn't doing anything like that to where he's at today, which is just insane to me. So it's really it was really cool to see that. But yeah, waitlisted is my pick. <laughs> That's a good. One. So I'll I'll specify two. First, I'll start with the watchmaker. So I was thinking, who's doing something that's kind of out there? that is doing something very original. And I found Clock Wheels, mm-hmm. C-L-O-C-K-W-H-E-E-L-S. So Clock Wheels is building these watches that use hand guilloche. And so these kind of guilloche designs, they've got jump hours, there's a regulator. And so they're they're modular watches. They're built off of Unitas. Yeah. With very modern Stupid. designs, yeah. but yet made using traditional techniques. Yeah, I like these. Yeah, I mean, the, only, the only thing that's challenging is the price, so they're <laughs> far less affordable than a layer two. <laughs> but nonetheless, they are really cool. Yeah. So I figured I'd highlight that. And then as for a person, so there's a fellow, uh, Rosnethian, R-O-S-N-E-A-T-H-I-A-N. And in August, he basically did this mass sell-off of his watches. And there's this whole thing about how he's kind of reframing and remaking his life, and now he's kind of gun to i would say probably probably a little bit of a lower price point collection than he'd had before he's really streamlined things a bit and made a lot of really thoughtful comments as well on various posts give me the the handle again r-o-s-n-e-a-t-h-i-a-n it's just always interesting to hear what's on his mind it's not just about the watches but often about he's got an uh, urban jurgensen or he had an urban jurgensen which is uh, i I love urban jurgensen yeah. So, for instance, he has this 120-year-old paddock, Philippe Gondolo, and he's offered the opportunity to restore it for 17 grand. And he says he doesn't want to do it because it's like a ship of Theseus situation where if he doesn't <laughs> do all this work, does he really have a 120-year-old year old watch? Yeah. And so he decides not to. Um, wow. Here on ship of Theseus. So, uh, who are you following these days? The 
person I'll recommend is a collector. So I, we recently uh, interviewed, I think, for, for a previous episode, I had a chat with a new friend, Helbert, in Hong Kong, who's co-founder <laughs> of the Horology Club, which is an enthusiast community. And through him, I found this other account, which is Watchbra, which is Watch <laughs> and then B-R-U-H. And that's, but it's really cool. Like the, it's, it's one of those, you know, accounts with like only about 1100 followers, but like uh-huh. an, like an amazing oh. watch collection, like just oh, everything yeah. from, you know, yeah. hub ring to Urwerk to Laurent Ferrier to, to really cool JLC. Wow. It just to, yeah, like just yeah, to Sylvain Pinot, just like an insane collection. So I don't like, I don't know this person in real life, but super cool collection like just and clearly like a somebody who's into horology independent horology oh, but yeah. really interesting pieces you know dude even um, a parmigiani skeleton yeah yeah some real like the more uh, you scroll through you're like oh wow i, I, yeah, I oh, love wow. Yeah. Ferrier. it's a really cool uh, really I, cool I, just, I love the design of his the movements and everything so i could but I could foresee a Solab stereo so easily. <laughs> micro rotor move. Oh, yeah. I love micro rotors. They're, they're some of my favorite yep. movements. Yeah. The fact that he's got this MBNF Erwerk collab that was the C3H5M3. Yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, have yeah, yeah. seen that so rarely. That's so, crazy. Yeah, that's that nitro, yeah, wow. nitro piece. Yeah, yeah. So yes. this Hong Kong... The Horology Club, so Helbert and I talked about this, this Horology yes. Club, like, like those guys have this real strong link to, not link, but really strong connection to MBNF. Their group in Hong Kong <laughs> must own collectively like a significant <laughs> chunk of MBNF's output. Really, like they clearly have a really strong yeah, yeah. affinity to it, which is, not, which is nice to see. And that's what we find as well. You know, I find it's really interesting that these kind of you know groups of watch enthusiasts mm-hmm. drift together and then kind of end up kind of really linking to particular brands. We <laughs> like the Fifth Wrist has a strong affinity with Oxen Junior, but also with Hubbering and a few others. You know, where there's like organically sort of tends to happen. And the Horology Club have a very strong MBNF kind of vibe yes. to them. As well as other brands, yeah. just really interesting. And I'm sure there's, or hopefully there's a So Labs group, hopefully in Chicago and you know expanding outwards as well. Yeah. Like just really nice, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Totally. Thoughtful cool. people sharing ideas. Yeah. So, but that's mine. Watch, bro. That is awesome. I'll throw one more out there. Who I just give a shout out because he's a good guy. But it's a teenage grandpa. If you don't follow <laughs> yes. him, oh yes. You know I. He, just all around good dude. We we worked with him for a little bit. He shot some shot some stuff for the layer one. Yeah, I remember you mentioned yeah. put out a, a collab design that or he did a design piece for Vero and huh. it turned out so well. Like just a beautiful quartz piece. And I honestly like kudos to him who he's worked with a couple watch brands over the years, but this recent piece for Vero, I just think is like really, really stellar. Going back to my comments way earlier about, you know, quartz pieces aren't maybe the first thing that most watch guys will go out and buy. That's definitely yeah. a piece that I'm like, that's yeah. sick. Like, period. I don't care if it's quartz. Yeah, well, like turned out really nice and all around good. Very cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. his photography is also always first. Yeah, totally. Cool. That's been awesome, guys. Thank you so fun, much. Dudes. Thank you. Thank you, thank yeah, you so much, guys. Thanks for having us again. 
Yeah, thank you. It's great to yeah, see your success in launching really the layer two it. and to have you back on the show. Yeah. Thank you guys. And finally, what we'll say what we always say is, you know, fifth risk, we set this up as a platform for enthusiasts and by enthusiasts. So if you want to join us, contribute, write reviews, or even come on the pod, just please get in touch. Follow Fifth Wrist on Facebook and Instagram or on our website at fifthwrist.com. Like and subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, helps us spread the word, but also makes us realize that someone other than my mum is listening follow me at times roman au my valiant co-host adam is at medium watch and our awesome guests rick and andrew are at solabs.co and www.so-labs.co thanks for joining us is by the community for the community. We would love you to join the crew via our group chat on Slack. Email us at contact at fifthrisk.com and join the movement.